0: All right. Well, good morning. As I said, a little bit different format um, this morning. Um, I kind of like it. I like coming in and we just start right off the bat worshiping and and all that stuff. And so um, we're going to keep playing and doing all that and everything. But, man, I'm very excited about this message series because I just feel like it's so important for us just to really understand the fact that God loves us. Like we talked last week in that everything that we do, everything that we try to do flows out. Out of that, out of that love relationship that we talked so much about last week, and so this morning we're going to move kind of to that next step. So, um, how we respond to that? So, if you have your Bibles turn to Matthew uh, twenty-two, we're going to be looking at Matthew twenty-two, verse thirty-four through forty. And as always and forever, it's never going to change. It doesn't matter what name is on the on the marquee and anything. These are the only words that matter. Okay, um, I am convinced, and I am. Um, that, that's my heart, that these more words, these words are the only ones that change lives and stuff. And I, I just want you to know my passion for these words. And so out of respect for that and out of the acknowledgement of the authority of these words, I'm just going to ask if you'll stand with me this morning as we read in Matthew 22, starting at verse 34. <coughs> it says, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together. And one of them An expert in the law asked a question to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? And he said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets depend on these two commands. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you this morning. Father, I thank you for um, allowing us to gather allowing us to come into your presence, God. I thank you that you were here waiting for us, God. You already knew everyone that would be here, God. You know every situation, every circumstance in every one of our lives, God. You know exactly what's going on. God, it's so easy to get lost in the noise of this world. And I just pray, I ask that, God, in these moments right now, these next few minutes, God, that you would silence. You would silence our minds, silence our hearts, God, and that we would focus all of our attention on you. God, that you would speak clearly, God, impassionately through me, that these would be your words and not mine. God, that you would just move in our midst, Father. Whatever needs to happen today, let it happen. God, whatever needs to be confronted, whatever needs to be changed, whatever needs to be committed to, God, let that happen today. God, I pray for revival. God, I pray for just hearts to be set afire for you and your kingdom. God, I pray you start with me. So, Father, we simply ask that you give us ears to hear. God, that you give us a heart to respond. And that, God, you would just move in a powerful way this morning, God. That there would be no doubt, God, that it was you. God, that we would leave here different because we were in your presence, God. Because your word penetrated our hearts. And, God, may you get all the glory and all the praise. We love you. Jesus. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So Here we go. So last week we simply talked about that God loves me. Now, we all know that God loves the world, for God so loved the world. We, we know that. We know the Bible verse is one of the, probably the first verses that we ever memorized, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And, and we know that God loves the world, but one of the things I really wanted you to take away last week is that God not only loves the world, he loves me and that love is powerful that love is permanent that there's nothing that can separate us from it there's nothing that can stop god from loving us that love is powerful that there's nothing we can face there's nothing that could come at us nothing that we could ever deal with that would change that love but most important that love is personal and man, i just i feel like that's where it hits the road that, that's where all the, the, the meat gets on the bones, because it's easy, I think, for us to sit back and say, God loves. Yeah, God loves. God loves. He is love, all that stuff. But to understand how much he loves me as a person changes everything for us. That that personal relationship that God desires and because of that love. There's a response that we have. And our response should be, and, and, and Norman should be, is that we love God. And so this morning, that's really what I want to talk about. says, what does that look like? What does that mean? Knowing that, first of all, that God loves me, how do I love God? How do I show that love? How do I experience that love? Um, and how do that live that out? And that's really kind of from our passage right here, in, in back, back in Matthew, where it talks about, you know, Jesus is, here, here's what's happening. So, as always, the religious leaders, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they're trying to trick Jesus. They're trying to put him into a corner. And I love that he always answers them and shuts them up every time. <laughs> you know, every single time. If you want to do a great study, look at the questions to Jesus in the Gospels. And how he answers all of them. And everyone, no one has a rebuke or reply. They're just like, oh, okay, <laughs> that was good. And so that's exactly what's happening here. And so the Pharisees, see they sent the Sadducees, which is really funny if you read earlier in that passage. The Sadducees are asking about life after death and, and eternal life and the resurrection. And the Sadducees don't even believe in that. And so they're trying to trap him and do all this stuff. And so he shuts them up. And so the Pharisees are like, we got this. We got the smartest people. Let's see what happens. And so they send a teacher. They send a lawyer that's an expert to question him. Just a simple question. What's the most important thing? Out of all this stuff, what's the most important thing? And that's exactly that's how Jesus answers him. In verse 37, he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. That is a pretty overwhelming love when you think about it, what we're called to do. I, I don't know about you, but... I'm a kind of compartmentalized person. You know, I, I, have, I, have my, I, have my, I have my Universal Orlando job. I have my home life. I have my church life. I have all this stuff. And I like to keep it kind of neat. You wouldn't know it by ever looking at my desk because the things are just everywhere. But I, there's order there. <laughs> Every time my wife comes in and straightens it up, I can't find things for two weeks because I know where everything is. But I do, I, you know, most of us in our Western culture, that's what we've been taught. There's like, there's your business life, and there's your friend life, and there's this life, and that life. And, and we put it all in nice little boxes. And I love that Jesus commanded, this actually isn't new. This is from Deuteronomy. This is way back when this has always been. It says to love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. So every area of my life, I'm supposed to love God. That there are no compartments, that there is nothing that I kind of like, God, I'm going to love you here, I'm going to love you there, I'm going to love you here, but right here, this is mine. And I need you not to mess with that. But that's not what happens. He says, love In fact, I think it's Luke, they add, love your Lord, your God, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Luke goes even a little bit farther with that. But it's this total and complete love that we are supposed to have for God, <coughs> And so this morning, what does that look like? How is that actually lived out? Because it's really easy to look at somebody and say, I love you. But not really. I love R.C. Sproul talks about that love in the New Testament is more of a verb than it ever is a noun. That's more about the way you live, your actions and, and, and what you do. And that's what I think Jesus is talking about here. This, this greatest commandment is, is how do I love God? Because out of that flows everything else. Understanding that God loves me and my response is to love him makes everything else kind of flow out of that. All these things that we're always telling you to do, read your Bible, do all stuff, it's an outflow of that love for him. And so, so what does that look like? And so there's three things I really want to hit this morning. There's three things that I want you to see. And so the very first one, if you have your little notes, that, and I hope you appreciate that. I put the lines in there and you can fill in your own blank. Um, but the very first one is to strive to walk in obedience. Man, that's, that's a big, scary word for us obedience what 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 does that look like what what do you mean i got to, to obey and do that and the very thing very first thing is that's our first step because think about it no one comes to father unless the spirit draws them no one comes to jesus and like god draws them to him and so the very act of obedience the very first step is acknowledging that i need a savior I mean, I mean, think about it. That's that's. There are two types of people in this world. There are those that know them and those that don't know them. That's it. <laughs> there, there are those that said, yes, in obedience, I'm going to step into this relationship. I'm going to accept this love that you're freely giving me. It's going to become personal and relational, and I'm going to grow in that. Or it's not. There's no kind of gray area here. There's no middle ground. We're we're preaching in our churches too many places that there are gray areas. And the only gray area I've ever found in the Bible is in Revelation where it says you are neither hot nor cold, you're lukewarm. So guess what? You make me vomit is what God says. It's the only gray area. And so there, there really isn't like a half obedience and then no. I'll obey here, but I'm not going to obey there. It's all or none. Remember, love the Lord your God with everything. And so we strive to walk in obedience, but I think sometimes we get on this idea that obedience means I do things to earn his love. It's not what we're talking about here. If you weren't here last week, go to our Facebook page, pull up the message and watch it again or the podcast because we don't earn God's love. God is love. It's given to us. We experience it. We acknowledge it. And we we do that. It's not about what we do earns love. It's what we do because of love. That's what we're talking about here. In fact, in in, in John 14. it Actually, Jesus says this. He says, the one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father, and I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. Isn't that a beautiful picture? You ever wanted to say, like, if I could only see God, if I could only just see him and and understand him, it starts with obedience. And again, it's not about earning his love. John 14 is one of my favorite chapters. I want to challenge you, if you want something to read and study, read John 14. But I want you to read it in a little bit different way and everything. Because I think, I think it's a whole chapter as a promise in John 14. That all that chapter over and over, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. He who loves me, he who has my commands and keeps them, that's the one who loves me. All this beautiful picture and there's this tie of obedience and, and love and, and loving him. But the truth is, I think a better translation says, if you really love me and know that I love you, you'll be able to keep my commands. I think that's a better translation of that entire chapter. I think that entire chapter is a chapter of promise, again, because it's this idea that God gives us things that we need to do. There's certain ways we need to live. And I know for some of us, that's overwhelming. For some of us, we look at that and say, man. But uh, I can't do this. I'm not perfect. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to do all that. You're exactly right. You're a sinner saved by grace. He became sin who knew no sin that we would become the righteousness of God. And because of that love for him and the love we receive from him and the love we give to him, we're able to do everything that he asked us to do. Think about that for a moment. You are fully capable of completing everything. God asks you to do because of love. It's, it's not something I earn. It's not something that I keep working on. We're able to keep the commands because he loves I can share the gospel. I can share my story. Not because I have the right words or I can speak well or I can do this. I can do that because he loves me and I love him. I'm able to do that. I can reach people. I can reach my neighborhood. I can reach my entire world to the uttermost parts of the world. That great command, the great commission, the great command, make disciples of everyone. It is possible. Because we're in Christ. And because we love him and he loves us. It's a different way of looking at it, isn't it? See, I grew up reading that passage and going over it says, OK, well, the only way I show God is by obeying. And because I obey, he's going to love me more and, and stuff. But if I mess up, man, then I'm going to lose that love. And that's not what it says. Please hear me on this. We are able. We are equipped. Because we love. And he loves us. And so obedience isn't a struggle. Obedience is a blessed joy. It is something, man, I look forward to being obedient. Because, man, I love my God. I love my relationship with him. And because that, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Isn't that powerful? Doesn't that kind of take, for an instant, I mean, don't raise your hand, but for instance, doesn't that take that burden kind of off your shoulder? Is that it's not about your talent, your abilities, or any of that stuff. It's about that love that God gives you because you're able to do that. You can love him and keep every command. That's why I always tell you, you're not going to save anybody, man. Just tell your story. Just tell the amazing thing that God has done in your life and let God do the rest. That's powerful. We, We can do that and walk in obedience. Why? Because we're loved and we love. So that's the first thing that we do to show. Second thing, we want to seek God as our highest priority. Seek God as your highest priority. Let me ask you a question, and I don't want you to answer this. I just want you to think about what's number one in your life? What is the most important thing in your life? Think about it. Is it your family? Is it your job, your career? Is it... I mean, the list can be on. Is it, you know, my little puppy, my kitty cats? Is it my grandkids? Is it, I mean, just whatever you want to feel. What is the highest priority? Where do you place the majority of your thoughts? What do you think about mostly on a day-to-day basis? Is it just like, man, we just got to get by. We got to pay bills. How are we going to make this? Is it man? I just got to work harder because then I can get promoted. I can get better benefits. I can do this. Is it man? I just I need a spouse. I need someone. What is the thing that takes all your thoughts and all your energy? Because I want to remind you back in the beginning, what does he say? He says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with everything. That includes your jobs, your priorities, all the other stuff. It's a great question because we are taught and we are told that, man, we need to focus on taking care of family. I was raised a good southern boy by a hillbilly father from West Virginia and by a good southern woman. And my dad always looked at me and says, your number one job, your number one thing is you, gotta, you provide for your family. You're going to take care of the family. That's your number one priority and all that stuff. And that's good. And I'm not saying, don't just sit there and like, well, you know, pastor said I don't have to work anymore because you're not my priority. Don't do that, okay? <laughs> I don't, I don't want to cause dissension in your families and everything. I just want you to change kind of the idea of what it is. Look at Matthew six thirty three. 33. Thank you. Look at what Jesus says. In the greatest sermon ever preached, no preacher will ever top this sermon whatsoever the, all the Beatitudes and all that stuff. But look what he says. He says in Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Seek first his kingdom. Then everything else will, will fall in line. You know what that means? That means, man, you are placed in your neighborhood because there's someone there that needs to see God's kingdom. There's a chance to grow the kingdom. You're placed in your job, in your profession, because there's someone there. There's something there where God's kingdom can be furthered right there. You're placed in your school or whatever with your friends or whatever social circles you have. You were there for first of all to further God's kingdom, not yours. Remember, our kingdom, my kingdom, it's going to go away. Every kingdom on this planet has gone away except one God's kingdom. That's the one that's going to last forever. And so if we focus our energy there, if we focus our energy and our thoughts on like, God, how today can I further your kingdom? How can I make you number one in my life? Every single day that that's the first thing I think of. That's the thing that I think of right before I go to sleep at night, that it's your kingdom. And we set you as priority over that. Man, how would that not change everything? Not only in our lives, but in our community. Can you imagine an entire church that their entire attitude is like, it's just about God's kingdom. It doesn't matter whose name on it. It doesn't matter how big the church is or any of that stuff. It is about God's kingdom. We're just going to keep pushing and furthering and furthering and furthering and further and retaking ground. Wouldn't that be awesome? And that's something I want to be part of. That's something I've prayed for years. God, I want to be part of something huge. I want to be part of something large. I used to always pray that, and God reminded me this week, says, dude, you're already part of something huge. It's called the global church. My kingdom is spreading throughout, and nothing's going to stop it. On the foundation and on the thought that Jesus Christ is who he said he is, did what he said he was going to do, and he's coming back, not even the gates of hell will prevail against it. Nothing's going to stop my kingdom. You're already part of something big and huge. Isn't that awesome? So why wouldn't that be our priority? So how do we do this? Two ways to kind of live this out, to give you some application. very first thing is man, set your mind on him throughout the day. Think about him. Think about him. And what I'm talking about is, is, why don't you start your day with him? Start your day when you those feet roll out of the bed. And if it's like me, it sounds like a drum roll because all my bones are cracking because they're getting old and crickety. And you just roll. You're like, oh, I don't know if I can get up because we just got a new bed and it's like lower to the ground. I'm like, oh, I've got to get a little pulley to get me up. <laughs> I guarantee you, the first thing I'm not thinking is like the uh, first thing is like Jesus, great day. You know, it's like oh, it's not it's not good morning, Lord. It's like Lord, it's morning. <laughs> Why don't we start our day with him? Listen, nowhere in the Bible does it say when you should have a devotional and when you should have prayer time and all that said. Well, it does say prayer. We're going to talk about that. But none of it says when you should have a devotional or a Bible study. But why don't we copy the picture of Jesus, of what he did? Mark one thirty-five. it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he, Jesus, got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place, and there he was praying. Listen, if the creator of the universe started his day talking to the Father, maybe it's a good idea if we did too. Mm-hmm. What a great way to start. I know, but, but, Pastor, I'm not a morning person. Guilty. Ask my wife. I've got a coffee cup that holds a half a pot of coffee. <laughs> and until that's like two thirds of the way gone, you really don't want to talk to me in the morning. <laughs> I'm grumpy. I'm grouchy, I'm smelly, I don't want to talk, but starting my day, this week, I just, you know, this week, I said, God, I'm going to commit to this, I'm going to get up at 530 every day, so I have time to drink some coffee, wake up, and then I'm going to have my devotion, I'm going to have my time with you, and read, and it has changed everything today, I had the worst week ever at work, I, I put out more fires this week than a California fireman, Okay? <laughs> I mean, it was just all kinds of stuff, and at the end of the day, I was like, that wasn't so bad, because I started the day right. I'm, I'm going to misquote this, but I think Luther talked about it. He's like, you know, when my day is when I don't have time to pray, when I don't have time to study, I wake up two hours earlier, so I make sure that I study and pray, because I won't make it through the day without it. Right. And so if Jesus did it, why don't we start our day? Why don't why don't we have Quiet time, a devotion. Why don't, why don't we take the time to just really study the Bible and listen? If you say, "Well, I don't know where to start," dear Lord, people, <laughs> we have apps for that. <laughs> you ever heard of U Version? I use it every single day. I pick out a study. I have another one where it's just straight scripture. Where it's no one commentary. I'm just reading scripture and stuff. There's all kinds of stuff, man. You can you can find something to read. If you're like, man, I don't know where to start. Uh, download you version. Start out like a three day reading plan. Get in the habit of doing that. Taking time to do that. Let me let me ask you something. Honest opinion. My wife and I, we've been married 30 years, right? Sharon, it it is a blessed union most days, okay? (laughs) There's some days where, you know, I rub her wrong and I'm just a bad, horrible person, but praise God she sticks around. Could you imagine if I looked at her 30 years ago and I said, oh, I do. I'm so excited. Okay, I'm only going to talk to you on Sundays (laughs) for about an hour. And then I need you to leave me alone. Does that make sense at all, but isn't that what we do to God? God? I'm going to talk to you for an hour on Sunday, but after that, college football starts next weekend. praise God. <laughs> Miami's playing the Gators go canes because I don't like the gators <laughs> i don't I don't have, I don't okay God, I'm going to give you an hour on Sunday, and maybe if I join a small group, okay, there's another hour that's two God, how much more how would if you treated your spouse that way how long do you think that relationship would last we wouldn't get a divorce she'd hit me with the iron skillet and i'd be dead <laughs> cuz we don't believe in divorce i'd be knocked out done <laughs> see uh, we can't treat God that way we we need that time where we go and when we pray here's the other thing man i gave you a little thing and probably you guys have seen this it's very basic and stuff it's called acts And how we pray. How many of us, when we talk to God, the very first thing is, and God, you know, I need a promotion. Or God, you know, for us, we're like, God, we need a house. You know, we need a house. We're going to start right there. God, what I need, what I need, I need, I need, I need, I need. Listen, I love my kids when they were little. Man, that was thing. Daddy, daddy, I need this. 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 I'm like, do you love me? Do you love me? (laughs) Do you love me? They learned really quick, like, Dad, you're the greatest dad ever. I love you. You're awesome. I need this. Oh, okay. (laughs) I'm not saying we trick God, but why don't we start by adoring this God that loves us so much that we talked about. Why don't we start right there? There is none higher, none greater, none more. He is the sovereign God of the universe. If he forgets you, you don't even exist. You are on his thoughts every single day. He is working all things to the good of those who love and are called according to purpose. He is transforming us. He is redeeming us. He is he is molding us. He is making us and he is taking care of everything. Why don't we just adore him for that? That my dad is bigger than every other dad. And how awesome is that? And then why don't we take a little time to confess? He already knows, by the way. The point of confession is so we know. (laughs) The point of confession is for us to say, God, I know I've messed up here. I had the wrong attitude. I'm sorry. And then let's thank him. Before a request is on your heart, God already knows your need, and he's already working out a plan for it. We have a pod in front of our house, a moving pod. By the way, you are welcome to come help pack boxes. (laughs) Please, dear Lord, help pack boxes, because we were going to do it yesterday, and we didn't even start. I had to work all day. I got to work again next Saturday and stuff, and we got to load it They're going to come and pick it up. We're going to go look at a house today, and we're going to say, okay, God, if it's you, you're going to let us know. We have no idea where we're going to live after the 26th and no idea i was stressed earlier this week and as i just prayed about it and prayed about it and prayed about it, god's just like i got it i'm thanking him this morning for god i know you already have an answer to that even though i don't know what it is i don't need to know how i don't know you know when i don't need to know where i already know who and so thank you then let's get to the needs of us and others But let's start. Do you ever notice how Jesus started our prayer? We call it the Lord's Prayer. It's not his prayer. It's our prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Let's start there. And when we do that, man, that changes our day if we start every day with that. Isn't that awesome? In, In fact, 1 Thessalonians 5, 7, it tells us to pray constantly. There shouldn't be a moment in your day when you're not praying. Listen, if any of you have to drive I-4, I guarantee you you pray every moment. <laughs> it we went to a movie last night. We left like at 10 o'clock at night. It doesn't matter when I'm on the road. There are stupid drivers trying to kill me. <laughs> and I am praying every day. Our lives should be a prayer all the time everything down the water cooler i'm reading this great devotion about just different ways to pray and thinking about what the world happening in the world around us and it's so cool it says your morning your morning drive at the, around the water cooler at lunch you can do this you can do that and i'm like this is awesome i forgot that i can pray all the time all the time we pray constantly the second thing of how we live this out this whole day of making god our priority is the idea of steward your resources to honor Him? Steward, steward, sorry, your resources to honor Him. And I know we start talking steward, people like kind of like get that little clinch, because like, oh, pastors talking about money. I am. Jesus talked more about money than He did anything else, because it is the biggest problem we have. By the way, money's not evil; it's the love of money. You can make as much as you want, but as long as you're seeking God's kingdom first and you're making him a priority, I'm going to steward. And it's not just money. It's my time. How do you steward your time? Do you have 30 minutes? Do you have an hour in the day where you can just talk to him and spend that time with him? Are you showing up to church? Are you showing up to his family and saying, hey, I want to be an active part partner. Am I stewarding my resources? Do you have a house? I'm told you, God put you there because there are people that need to see Jesus. Maybe it was like, God, we want to open up our house and do a small group this fall. We want to do something where we're going to reach people. It's all about all of our resources and everything. But again, it's not out of obligation. This is why we talk about the way we do it, that I don't believe God's ever short on money. My father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Everything in the earth, all of it is his already. Why would I worry about my resources when he is the source of every resource? And so all I have to do is be a good steward of it. But it's an attitude. It's not an obligation. It's about my heart. Because here's what, here's what he says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. I'm going to read the whole thing. I just left that one part of this. It says each person should do as he decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or out of compulsion since God loves a cheerful giver. Can I tell you, you cannot outgive God. And I'm learning that all over again with tithes and offerings saying, God, I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to trust you for this because all you're asking is this. And I just want to be a good steward. I want to see your kingdom go, your kingdom grow. Not my bank account, your kingdom. You know, I figured out when I don't give, when I don't steward my stuff properly, the way God has asked me to do trouble happens. When I don't tithe. I struggle financially when I'm more worried about my house for me. Everything starts breaking down. You ever have that the day after the warranty runs out? <laughs> Everything just like oh, they did this on purpose. <laughs> God loves a cheerful giver. It's about your heart and it's not out of compulsion. It is a response. I believe the way we give is worship. It is a response. To God. And we should do it with a cheerful heart. Last thing this morning. How do we love God? How do we have this personal worship? Is this last thing? It says surrender your life to him. That's another ugly word for us. See, because surrender, surrender is not in our character and it is definitely not in our culture. Remember, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, with everything that you have. I surrender it all, God, because you have a better way. Isn't that how we got in trouble in the first place? We looked at God and said, God, I have a better plan than you. I'm going to do it my way. And I've told you over and over, I'm going to keep telling you, when we do things our way, it leads to bondage and imprisonment every time. But when I surrender and I do it God's way, it is freedom every time. <coughs> it is the only way that we experience this love. It's the only way in it is personal here. Are you hearing that again? We don't surrender. I surrender. Because here's the truth. John 4.19. We love. Because he first loved us. The only way we are capable of loving God a falling of a being, that relation. The only way that even begins to work is because he first loved us. Amen. You've heard it over and over again. While we were still sinners, what did God do? He sent his son. Christ died for us when we were his enemy. God still loved us. We can love him. We can be obedient. We can be make him a priority. Why? Because he first loved us. Guys, and that's where everything comes together. It's not a list of things that I need to do to prove my love for God. It's not a list of things I need to do to improve my love for God or His love for me. It is a thing that I do because He loved me so much, so personally, that man, I have to love Him. And because I love Him, of course, I'm going to go and do everything. It is a response. It is how we do it. Let me tell you something. I asked you what was your number one priority. I can tell you this without a doubt in my mind. I love God more than I love this church. I love God more than I love my wife, love kids, love my job, all of it. Because I love him first, I can love my wife the way. She deserves to be loved. I can love my kids the way they deserve. I can love this church the way it deserves to be loved. But only because I love him first. I love it. Jack Hiles says this. Jack Hiles says, I cannot love you as I love myself until I love God as I ought to love him. All the things That we always ask and we say, man, let's go share the gospel. Let's see the world change. Let's see everything happen this way. All those things that we look forward and we we push towards. All that stuff doesn't happen unless I love God first. It's an outflow from that. Think about that. that. Let that sink in. I cannot love you as I love myself until I love God as I ought to love him. Church, we will not make a dent in this community if we're not loving God with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our minds. And we will not love him the way he ought to be loved until we understand how much he truly, perfectly, powerfully, and personally loves us. It changes everything, doesn't it? I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what's going on with your life. But our one response, the only response we have to God's love for us is either to love him or to walk away from him. That's it. How do we love him? We love him by being obedient. We love him by making him a priority. We love him by surrendering. That's how we live it out. But that is the only response. And from there, from there, we can change the world. We can change our homes, our families, our neighborhoods, our community, the world. Do you love him? Do you really, really love him? Prove it. Because he sure as heck loves you. Let's pray. God, I just thank you this morning.